Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Hi and welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier, the podcast that asks the question, how are you Sarah? We actually ask the hard questions. I'm well, thank you Kevin Hillier. Good to hear. Good to hear. We've got a fascinating guest this week and uh, this is going to be a very timely chat. A lot of people will be interested in, uh, in this, especially if you've been thinking about Overhauling your diet and your lifestyle, especially yep. post-COVID when we got into a lot of uh, bad habits, shall we say? Oh, I didn't get into new bad habits. I just uh, I just elongated the Increased ones I already had. Increased the old had. ones. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Dr. Peter Bruckner, you may remember him as the former team physician for the Australian cricket team, also oh, involved others, in many yeah. other national sporting teams. And footy teams, uh, Collingwood, quite a few of the teams over the years. Peter himself, with. a doctor, well, he actually became a patient because he kind of made himself the guinea pig of this, uh, well, this, this way of eating. Yep. Uh, it's, it's all about cutting sugar out of your diet as much as you possibly can. Uh, but also that pushing home the uh, the point that fat, we've been told for so long that fat was the enemy. And he has a fabulous fat. book called A Fat Load of Good. A Fat Lot of Good, sorry. Yeah, fat a, is our friend, Kevin. A fat Lot of Good. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk to him about all that uh, coming up. And also oh. we have our food poll. Now, in the annals of history of uh, this podcast... None's ever gone off quite like this one. This one went ballistic, didn't it? Oh, and I'm still scratching my head as to why, because it's the most <laughs> inconsequential thing you'll find in anyone's well, pantry. Some will I would say have thought. it's revolting, but it's uh, it's still going. It's gone off like a frog in a sock. But it it's has. the old Deb instant powdered mashed potatoes. Is it a yes or is it a no? We'll find out uh, all that. I don't think it'll fit into uh, Peter Bruckner's diet somehow. <laughs> don't think so. has got a feeling it may not be mentioned in this, but uh, here he is, uh, Dr. Peter Bruckner, uh, and uh, a very, very fascinating chat. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Thanks for joining us on the program. Uh, it's a great pleasure. This is obviously food and nutrition and sports medicine, obviously a massive passion for you. Yeah, yeah. Look, I've uh, I've had a long uh, career in in sports medicine, involved with uh, lots of you know. I have a clinic here in in, in Melbourne and and been involved with lots of uh, sporting teams over the years. Uh, it's been a, been a wonderful uh, wonderful journey. Um, but I, I guess my focus has sort of changed a little bit uh, over the last few years. Uh, I'm still still passionate about sports medicine, but I've also have a second passion, and that's uh, that's good nutrition. And uh, Peter, on that subject, we'll cut straight to the the chase because you believe most of what we've been told about uh, what to eat and how to eat it over the last forty years has been wrong, and and in particular, good old fat. Fat's been demonised, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I could, could tell you, quickly tell you my story, Sarah, because that uh, that sort of. Uh, probably explains why I've, I've, uh, I am where I am now. So 10 years ago, I'm, I'm living in, in England. I was actually working at the Liverpool Football Club in, in the US Premier League. And um, if you'd asked me then, you know, was I was I healthy? I'd, I'd have probably said, yeah, yeah, I was fine. You know? But um, the reality was I, I was not that healthy. I was significantly overweight. I was probably borderline obese. Um, and like many sort of middle-aged men, I'd put on, you know, like half a kilogram a year probably for 30 years. Just got slowly sort of thicker around the... Uh, Around the girth, and uh, I had a number of uh, sort of uh, medical metabolic issues. I had a thing called a fatty liver that I'd had for ten years. That, like a typical doctor, I ignored. Um, I had high triglycerides, and, and and I also had a family history of type two diabetes, which my father had developed at that same age. So I was pretty conscious of it. So 
I clearly, uh, in retrospect, was pre-diabetic, and I have no doubt that had I you know, kept going the way I was, um, I'd have been diabetic by now. But but what I was doing was doing what everyone was supposed to do: was eating a low-fat diet and, and uh, exercising regularly, and uh, you know I didn't drink much and didn't smoke and, and and did all those sorts of things. And yet I was getting fatter and sicker as I got older. Um, and then I started to hear uh, some people challenging this idea that. Uh, that fat was the problem and suggesting that maybe it was sort of sugars and carbohydrates that were the problem. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I, I dived into that, read a lot about it. The more I read, the more I thought, oh boy, this is, uh, you know, this is really something here. Um, and then I decided I'd do a little experiment on myself. Uh, now, experiments on yourself are not, uh, you know, not very scientific, but, uh, you know, Dr. they're pretty important. I presume. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I thought it was pretty important anyway. Uh, so I went uh, on what, what we call like a low-carb, high-fat diet for three months. So basically I stopped eating all sugars and starches, so no uh, no rice, pasta, bread, cereals, mm-hmm. potato, all that sort of stuff. Um, I stopped eating all, all sort of takeaway and packaged food, really, and went back to eating probably the way that my, my parents or grandparents had eaten, you know, just... just Meat and fish and fruit and veg and, and full fat dairy, none of this sort of low fat stuff and butter, eggs and cream. All terrible, <laughs> butter, cream, eggs, all those terrible eggs, like cholesterol, you know, yeah. and uh, and nuts and and and, and uh, you know berries were probably the only food I had. And um, anyway, so uh, I did that. I decided I'd do that for three months. So on day one, I got all my blood tests done and weighed myself and everything. And um, and then I looked at uh, wanted to see what would happen. Well, the first thing that happened was I stopped being hungry. So instead of sort of having my, my you know, cereal at 8 o'clock in the morning and then getting to, you know, 10.30 or something and think, God, it must be lunchtime soon, you know, um, I would have my bacon and eggs for breakfast and, and I wouldn't eat again all day and I wouldn't be hungry. So I went from eating three meals and three snacks a day to eating two meals a day and I still eat two meals a day uh, today. Um, and then I started, the weight started to come off. You know, every week I'd jump on the scales and more weight come off. At first I thought it was just, you know, beginner's luck, but it kept going. And then I started to feel more energetic. I didn't feel sleepy during the day. Uh, I slept better at night. My exercise uh, capacity increased. My concentration improved. I started to feel really, uh, really good. So at the end of that three months, I took stock. I'd lost 13 kilograms in 13 weeks. Uh, I hadn't been hungry once. You know, I'd eaten really well, like great fresh food, you know, really enjoyable food. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, I, I almost felt guilty. You know, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought losing weight was supposed to be hard, you know, but this has just been so easy, ridiculous. As well as the weight, all my uh, metabolic abnormalities, so my fatty liver that I'd had for 10 years completely disappeared, my triglycerides, back to normal, sugar's normal, everything normal. So that was, uh, I mean, that just blew me away. I I was pretty sceptical. I didn't think that anything like that would happen. And that just sort of uh, blew me completely away, how basically I lost fat by eating fat. It was just uh, just crazy. That particular quote was what uh, caught my attention in a in a presentation you you gave, where you actually said, "The more fat you ate, the more fat you lost." Yeah, and it all, all depends on the particular type of fat, and, uh, and and sort of poor old saturated fat, you know, sort of animal fat, really has been, as you said, demonised for uh, for many years. And uh, I went back and looked at all the sort of history of, of why that why that occurred. And, and I'd always assumed it, you know, had everything to do with, you know, research and science and, uh, and, and evidence and so on. It turns out it's got nothing to do with it. It's just all about money and, uh, and politics and, uh, and ego and so on. And so that's how the sort of the, the low fat movement won out over the low sugar movement back in the, in the 1960s. And, 
nothing to do with science. In fact, the science was quite sort of fraudulent. There was a, a classic study done by a guy called Ansel Keys who did this sort of a six-country study, and he came up with a straight line showing that uh, the more fat you ate, the more likely you would have a heart attack. And everyone sort of, oh, wow, you know, must be fat mm. causes heart attack. So we all stopped eating fat. And sometime later, some years later, it turned out that his six-country study was actually a 22-country study. When you put the 22 countries in, and there was no relationship at all, but he just plucked out six countries that, uh, that suited his uh, his cause. And so, you know, all based on that, on a lot of fraud. So uh, it um, it was a real eye-opener to me. I couldn't believe it. You know, I sort of would put these books down at night and say, nah, this couldn't be right. We couldn't have been on the wrong diet for the last 40 years, the whole of Western society. But it sort of explains why we've got fatter and sicker ever since, because we've been eating the wrong things. Well, and we've also been conditioned, I, I guess, to, to feel that we need to eat three meals a day, three square meals a day. And you've, you've told us that you're having, what, two meals a day and Absolutely maybe right. just a snack yeah. here and there to get you through if you need. But uh, is it is it about um, rethinking the way, the, the, the traditions that have been instilled in us? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, back in the day, you know, people ate when they were hungry and uh, and that would be, you know, often, often only once a day. Um, you know, the food industry, you know, does very well out of us eating. You know, they think, you know, we've, they tell us we've got to eat three meals a day and three snacks and, you know, breakfast is the most important meal and all this sort of stuff. Of course they do because they make a lot of money out of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, the food industry has no interest in our health. The food industry only is interested in profit. So, you know, I wouldn't take what they would advocate uh, as, as gospel. So, um you know, I think we've we've completely lost the uh, lost the plot uh, over the last uh, you know, generation or two, and we really need to go back to uh, to eating the way we uh, we used to eat, and, and that is eating real food. You know, all the sort of processed and ultra processed food that's that's full of sugar and and uh, and vegetable oils and so on that are all causing sort of uh, you know inflammation and and uh, the cause of all the chronic disease we have now. Um, you know that that's the reason. I mean, uh, it's very simple. All these diseases that you know, we didn't. When I was a medical student, we we didn't even have half of these diseases. You know, gluten disease and Alzheimer's and all these sorts of things. I mean, it's all due to the way that we've uh, we've changed the way we eat. Peter, we we've talked about fat being demonised, but. Can the same nowadays be said for, for carbs? When we talk about a high-protein, low-carb diet, are there people who are looking at carbs as being the enemy? What, uh, what attributes, what good qualities uh, do we see in carbs? Well, the main people thinking that, uh, that, that low-carb is bad is, is, as I said, the food industry. Um, but, um, no, look, I mean, it, this is not a zero-carb diet, you know, and it really depends on, um, on your metabolic state, on, on the state of your what we call your insulin resistance. So, if you're a you know type two diabetic, you're morbidly obese, you're, you've got sort of you know, various chronic ailments, you need to uh, you know, to really restrict your carbohydrate intake. But on the other hand, if you're young and healthy and fit and so on, yeah, you can have you know uh, have uh, fruit and vegetables and uh, and and uh, and meat and dairy and, and so on without uh, without any problems at all. Um, and you can have a certain amount of carbs, but Nobody needs the amount of carbs that we're having now. I mean, you know, we're having sort of 250, 300 grams of carbs a day, you know, which is just uh, just crazy. I mean, uh, really, you know, it, it should be under 100, uh, 100 grams a, a day. And uh, and as far as sugar goes, I mean, the average Australian is probably uh, having about 18 teaspoons of added sugar a day. And uh, the uh, World Health Organization recommends no more than six. So, you know, it, it's, it's a huge discrepancy. And... Uh, I think until we make these changes, we're not going to uh, start turning our health around. 
When you make a big change like that, Peter, the sustaining it's obviously the, the biggest problem. You, you know, we know about fad diets and all those sorts of things. They last five minutes yep. and then you then you move on. Has this been hard to sustain or has it just become your lifestyle and it is easy? And is there anything you really miss? Uh, no, well, it, it has it has become my life. I don't, in fact, I don't call it a diet. Because to me, diet is sort of, sort of mm. short term or yeah, temporary or something like that. This is the this is a way of eating, a way of of living, yeah. and uh, and I've sustained it now for for ten years. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not super super strict. You know, I mean, if, if I'm out to dinner and you know at someone's house and they serve me up a nice nice dessert, I'm not going to say yeah, uh, not going to say no. But you know, by and large, ninety five percent of the time, I stick to uh, stick to this uh, this regime, and um, I enjoy my food. Um, I and I, and the, the motivating factor is really that you feel so good. You know that that's, that keeps reminding you that uh, well, you know I, I feel so much better than I did uh, you know before I before I lost my weight and before I changed the way I, the way I ate. So is there something I miss? Um, oh look, I have you know I mean I have uh, a bit of chocolate, but I have some dark chocolate. You know I, I have uh, the odd uh, you know. Odd, a scoop of ice cream or something like that, but there, no, I mean, there's nothing I, I crave for. Um, I think part of the problem is that that we're all sort of very addicted to, to sugar and to sweetness and so on. And then, but once you sort of get that out of your system, after a, you know a couple of weeks, you start to sort of uh, lose that uh, that sort of sense of sweetness. And in fact, things you know that that before didn't seem that sweet suddenly seem very sweet. So your taste buds actually change and. Um, no, I, I still enjoy my food just as much as, uh, as I ever did. And uh, in fact, probably, probably more now that uh, I know what I'm eating. Well, Peter, given your style of eating now, what is your own prowess in the kitchen like? And what would be some <laughs> of the great things that you would eat uh, in this, this style of diet? Okay, well, if, if, if I go through my sort of uh, my, my two meals, if you like, I mean, uh, my morning meal. So I usually eat, you know, sort of. I don't know, mid morning, late morning, something like that. Especially if I'm working from home, um, I'll just uh, you know get something uh, late morning. And so I'll either have a uh, if I have a hot breakfast, I'll have uh, egg, which always consists of eggs, um, poached or scrambled or whatever, um, and uh, bacon and uh, avocado, and then I might have some mushroom or some uh, some uh, tomatoes or something like that. So I'll have a you know a good uh, a good uh, cook up. Um, or else uh, I'll have a uh, full-fat Greek yogurt with some berries and some nuts and seeds. I'll make up a little mixture of nuts mm. and seeds and so on. So that's my sort of, you know, two uh, go-to breakfasts, if, if you like. Um, and, uh, and then I don't really have much through the day. If I get peckish, I'll, I'll have a handful of nuts or something like that. But usually I te- we, if we are, again, at home, we'll often eat a bit earlier than we used to eat, um, early in the evening. and um, and it's just a pretty basic sort of meal, you know. You have meat and fish or something like that, for uh, with some vegetables, some uh, some you know green or coloured vegetables. Uh, skip on the uh, on the chips and, and the potato. Um, but yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have you know steak or sausages or chops or uh, or fish. Uh, a couple of times a week, we try and have uh, have fish. I love to bake a salmon, for instance, and uh, have it with some uh, some you know some spinach or, or something. Uh, and um, and then if I'm still peckish, I want some dessert. I'll just have some berries and some cream. Um, and then uh, they'll often have a uh, coffee after after dinner, and, and maybe with a a, a little, little slice of uh, of dark chocolate. And um, 
and that's pretty much my day. And uh, I'm pretty happy with that. What about cheese? What's the potential for uh, for eating cheese? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, cheese is fine. Uh, I mean, again, poor old cheese has been demonised yeah. all, all these years. You know, I mean, it, it's it's terrible what we've been deprived of. Really, you know, I mean. Uh, um, you know, full fat milk and, and butter. You know, I mean, uh, you know, margarine is better butter. Honestly, that would have to be the craziest decision ever made in, in history, really. Um, and uh, and cheese is good. Um, and not crazy amounts, but uh, no, I, I certainly eat uh, eat cheese, and uh, I I might have that as a snack during the day too if I get a bit peckish. But uh, no, I think uh, you know, full fat dairy is is, is very healthy, and. Um, you know, people uh, always sort of say, "Oh, they they worry about you know cholesterol and fat and, and so on because we've been we've been conditioned about that for for ages." But it's actually carbohydrates and sugars that uh, that drive your cholesterol up as much as uh, as much as uh, as much as fat. And uh, most people who go on a low carb diet actually, uh, after a little while, reduce their uh, their fats and certainly their uh, their triglyceride levels and, and often their uh, their cholesterol levels as well. So. I'm not too concerned about uh, about that, even though we've sort of been, you know, conditioned, as you say, to uh, to believe that over the years. Hey, can you put your sports medicine hat on for one yeah. tick? And I want to ask a question with that. You talked about the Liverpool Footy Club. I know you work with Collingwood, with Melbourne, with the cricket, the Australian cricket team, with our athletes, with our swimmers, all that. Does this does this work for them as well, or do they need that? Because you know, sports people talk about the big carbo load on the Friday night before a game on a Saturday. They, the bacon and eggs before a game, all that, all that's gone out the door. What, what? Yeah. Uh, how does this work for for a, an elite athlete or someone who's in the sporting area? You know, it, it works fine. Um, we've got two fuels. You know, we can either fuel ourselves with carbohydrates or with fat, and they're both uh, both quite efficient. Um, uh, you know, I know plenty of uh, elite athletes who are on this sort of low carb uh, diet. Uh, sometimes they'll need to top up with some carbs on on match day. So uh, you know, there's a sort of a um, you know a, a train uh, train low, compete high sort of a philosophy. But yeah. there are others who are who are low carb the whole time. I mean, you know, we, we certainly when I was with the cricket team, uh, you know, I, I lost all my weight, and everyone sort of noticed that, and, and a number of them came uh, came asking, and uh, and people like uh, like Shane Watson and David Water and Usman Kawaja and so on. Uh, have adopted this sort of uh, this way of eating, and uh, and it, it helped their helped their weight management enormously. I mean, Shane Watson was someone who always struggled with his uh, with his weight. Um, he said the only way he could keep his weight down was to starve himself, and then he got grumpy and miserable. And um, and he was uh, you know he was sort of liberated uh, when he found that he could actually eat as much as he wanted to, and uh, and not put on weight, and in fact uh, drop weight, and uh, it made a huge difference in the last couple of years of his career. Peter, you mentioned you enjoy a, 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 the occasional coffee, but uh, is there room for yep. uh, an alcoholic beverage? Yeah, sure. Yes, I mean, you know, we've, we've got to live. You know, I mean, it's uh, you just have to be a little bit uh, a little bit careful. I mean, uh, certainly a white or a red wine, uh, dry white uh, or red wine. I mean, it's you know, I think about three grams of sugar in a, in a glass of uh, of wine is, is not much, really. But the things you have to be careful of are, uh, are mixed drinks. It's not the it's not the alcohol. It's more the, the the thing you mix it with. You know, the Coke or the the Red Bull or whatever. That's that's where all the sugar is. Um, beer can be quite uh, quite high in carbohydrate, but there are now some uh, low carb. There are even some no carb beers. Mm. Uh, you know, if you go to your, to your local uh, bottle, there's actually a sec- whole section on uh, on low carb beer these days. I notice. So, uh, you know, there are certainly alternatives, but uh, no, no reason why we can't have a couple of drinks. What about some of the uh, the low carb bread varieties that you uh, see in the supermarkets? Yeah, look, they're uh, they're okay. Um, 
I, I bake uh, my own bread uh, a little bit. Um, I have a sort of a you know a seed uh, a seed loaf that uh, that I that I use. Um, I think if you um, if you have some sourdough bread, it, it's certainly much uh, healthier than uh, than other types of uh, of, uh, of bread um, because that sort of reduces the uh, the carbohydrate uh, exposure. So um, we'll often have you know on the weekends they will have uh, you know have poached eggs on on a, on a sourdough. We have usually have the whole family around here on a Sunday morning for a brunch or something, and that that gets uh, gets served up with a bit of sourdough. So I'm not totally anti bread, but I. I'm certainly anti the sort of you know white uh, loaf that uh, that you know yeah, you get at the the supermarket, but but there are some uh, some quite nice uh, low carb um, breads uh, around, and uh, there's one at uh, one at Aldi, and then there's, there's yeah, I think people are becoming more and more aware of the importance of uh, of reducing carbohydrate intake, and so the food industry, understandably, in the same way that when we we told them to take fat out of food, they did, and then they realised that they'd taken all the flavour out, so they had to replace it with sugar. <laughs> They're now realising that uh, there is demand for these low carbohydrate uh, products, and uh, and they're reacting accordingly. Yeah. Hey, we uh, we asked you uh, to uh, have a think about uh, a dream uh, dinner party guest that you might invite to your house for a, for a bit of a. Uh, an occasion with all the people that you've worked with in the sporting arena in particular who who would make your list who would who, who are the fascinating people that you would like to have around your table well I know I'd love to get some people from the past you know uh, from the, from the old days I mean I'm fortunate enough I've been able to to have uh, have meals with lots of uh, the current sort of generation of sporting people but I'd love to you know love to get some people from the, from the past you know someone like a a weary Dunlop, for instance, who uh, you know ticks just about every box. You know, he's, he's a, a Melbourne person. He went to the same college, you know university college as I did. Uh, he played rugby for Australia. He, he was you know, clearly uh, I'm fascinated by uh, by you know the, the world wars and so on. And and and, and the thing about him, it, it, I also have a real interest in leadership. And, and I think you know he clearly has uh, ticked that uh, that box. Um, modern day leaders. I mean, I, I think someone like Julia Gillard would be fascinating. I think I've always really admired her as a person. As far as sports people go, back in the past, I'd love to sit down with Keith Miller and uh, and hear his stories. I reckon he'd be a pretty entertaining uh, dinner guest. Don't you reckon, Keith? I mean, he, uh, Kevin, he he's very uh, uh, amazing story of, of a. Uh, of a Test cricketer. He played uh, VFL football. He uh, he was a fighter pilot. He's famous for that uh, that that famous saying that uh, pressure is a messenger up your ass. <laughs> and when there was when someone was telling him you know, how he coped with the pressure of uh, playing Test cricket, um, and um, um, and sports people wise, I'd love to I'd love to sit down with Billie Jean King. I reckon she's a fascinating person. Yeah. Um, who I, you know, I sort of was the enemy when I was a kid, you know, because she was, you know, beating out, you know, Margaret Port and Evan Pauli and so on. But uh, I think, you know, she's been a real leader in the uh, in, in women's sport in, uh, in the world. Um, so, yeah, there are a few other people I'd, uh, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, fascinating. Yeah. always fantasise about these things. But, yeah, you've made me think about that. So it's been uh, <laughs> good. It was the topic of discussion last night at dinner. So uh, there you go. If, if you if you sort of had to give someone a, a bit of sort of advice about you know the changing their diet and what the the first thing to do, what's the first thing we should do? Stop eating processed food. Go back to eating real food. Yep. I reckon if you keep it as simple as that, you can't go too far wrong. Um, you know, there's a couple of great sayings. Uh, don't eat anything your grandmother wouldn't recognise as food. 
And uh, <laughs> and secondly, stick to stick to the outside of the supermarket. You know, all the good stuffs on the outside, the uh, the meat and fish and veg and fruit and dairy and so on. And so. You know, get your toilet paper, but nothing else on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> What's come across to me loud and clear speaking to you today, Peter, is uh, is that um, we should live life and um, nothing should be completely off limits. I mean, it's all about moderation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, and it really depends on, on, on your sort of state of health. You know, I mean, if, uh, you, know, if, if you are significantly uh, unwell with a chronic disease, you know, you need to get that under control by being pretty strict for a while. And then you can uh, then you can back off and uh, and and get into a, a sort of a, a regular sort of pattern. But um, we need to get on top of things. You know, there is so much chronic disease. I mean, there's nearly two million people with type two diabetes in Australia. I mean, that is, you know, that's crazy. Another two million with pre-diabetes. I mean, uh, you know, there's four and a half million people with cardiovascular disease. I mean, all these things can be significantly improved by improving diet. But we just tend to reach for pills and uh, and, and and surgery and so on. Uh, Without uh, stopping first and, and thinking about, you know, diet and exercise are the key to, to good health. And, uh, you know, we just need to get get out there and do it. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the results you got over that uh, that uh, thirteen week period, people would pay a fortune <laughs> if that came in a pill, wouldn't it? Wouldn't they? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I wish I could uh, could uh, bottle it and, uh, and sell it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's a crazy thing. You know, we would rather buy, you know, have a pill than 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 eat properly or, or exercise regularly. You know, and then that's crazy. I mean, uh, it's not that. Uh, and and the problem is, I think that previous diets have been. Um, have made you very hungry and been very difficult to sustain. So if you go on a low calorie diet, it, it's almost impossible to stay off because you get you get hangry, you know, hungry and angry, Miserable. and uh, and it's just a matter of time until you until you break that uh, break that diet. The great thing about this sort of uh, lower carb because it's carbohydrates that make you hungry, but fats and proteins fill you up. So if you have a diet full of fats and proteins, then you don't have that hunger, and that makes a huge difference. Into how effective your uh, your diet and your weight loss can be. So uh, yeah, it really is life changing. Common sense is not common, uh, unfortunately. And what you've <laughs> spoken about is very much common sense. By the, the from you know from where I'm listening, I appreciate your time so much. Thanks, Peter. Uh, keep up the good fight. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Sarah. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. A fat lot of good is the name of the book. Excuse the pun, but uh, there is some serious food for thought, Kevin. Yes. Oh, no, there is, absolutely. No, a fascinating bloke. And uh, you can see him, he's talking at all sorts of different mm. places. Uh, he bobs up around the place. If you get a chance, go and have a listen to what he has to say uh, because he's got a lot, he goes a lot more in-depth than very, we're able uh, to do there. He's a very uh, engaging public yeah, he's speaker. Yeah, good fella. Good fella. All right, let's oh, get to our food pot. Kevin. Pop. You ready? Yeah, the Deb packet mashed potatoes. I must say thank you to Sarah Warmby for uh, suggesting this idea. I had no idea it would go off the way that it did, but it's very polarising. People have some very strong opinions about the old Deb mashed potatoes. You remember them, Kevin? Let me just uh, first preface this by saying I am guilty of this, as you'll find out as this, uh, this poll goes through, but... Uh, also, apologies for all the people that we didn't ma- that <laughs> yeah. haven't made it onto this uh, this little well, list that we've got now because there are literally hundreds. Yep, yep. Okay. All right, we'll start with Sue Hosking. I believe this is what they fed us at the Portsea camp. <laughs> I think you're right. All I remember was that after the first taste, I didn't eat potatoes again until the Sunday roast and we had real roast spud. So I guess I'm a nay on this. Sarah Wombi, who came up with this particular <laughs> uh, title, uh, the particular topic. Here we go. My name's Sarah, and I love dead potato. Oh. 
The onion one's the best. Oh. One of my favourite dishes is cooked <laughs> lasagna topped with onion dead potato, topped with mouse she peas and a light sprinkling oh. of mint sauce. <laughs> Delish. Creative. Yes. That's the, the, the Deb Alcoholic Anonymous or the Deb Anonymous meetings that, uh, that Sarah goes uh, hey, to. Hey, Fran says, I've been guilty of using this when I was first married. Julie says it's bloody awful. Can't understand how people can eat it. They probably eat spam. Spam, spam, spam. Oh, this is one of my favourites from Deb Murphy who says, nope, despite the grouse name. Love you, Deb. Uh, Glenn Rodder says, not in the last 32 years, without putting a fine timeline on it, when I got married, my wife threw eight packets in the rubbish bin. Oh, does that sound familiar, Kevin? It sounds exactly what you did in this house. (laughs) That and the tinned peas, they went. Yes. Darcy says, it scarred me for life. I've never been able to date anyone called Deb. Fair enough. (laughs) Peter Mobb said, the worst thing ever invented put me off mashed potato for years. (laughs) Davin Nicholas says, no, I never tried it and I most likely never will. It's cheating. Mm, That's interesting. (laughs) Disgusting, says uh, Lynn and Neil. What's wrong with actually peeling a few spuds? Yes, Kevin, what's wrong with it? Lee. Harrison says, no, it's just as quick to steam jacket potatoes in the microwave. Now, Brody says, interesting in small quantities, it makes a great thickening agent for soups, casseroles and pie fillings. If you are flour intolerant, it might, just actually read the packet though, be an option there. As for mash, only when camping, it's much lighter than the spuds. Yeah, I did use it to thicken soups before I threw out your sachets. There you go. Val says, yes, it's so convenient for when you're in a hurry and it tastes good too. Sylvia says, yuck, was forced to eat this crap as a child. Michael, Sylvia Gilmore, hey sis, it wasn't bad, that bad, you sook. There you go, (laughs) Sylvia and Michael having a little tay-to-tay on our uh, our food box. tay-to-tay, get it? Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) Deborah says, definitely yes, fond memories of family holidays. You miss my calling in stand-up comedy. Greg Sampson says, certainly a place for it in your pantry. We won't say where that place is, Greg. <laughs> Judy says, I use it to thicken curries in stews. Yeah, yeah. I get you. Mike George, it's great as a crumbling coating, so like you're crumbing, mm. um, but that's about it. Meat of choice, lightly coated with flour, egg wash, coated in Deb and then bake it in the oven. Delish. I'm going to try it. Oh, gosh, I'm going to have to buy some. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, Anne says, yay. Just don't think of it as potato. Oh, okay. Shaz says, check what's in it. It's not potato. Gaynor says, thrived on it during the heyday in the late 60s. James, I like my mash rustic, skins left on, lumpy and buttery. Should have come to my place 15 years ago. <laughs> Leanne says, school camp slop. Yeah. Fair <laughs> There's enough. a theme there. Rachel Nay. Real one or none. Yep. Artie says, I can't uh, bear these instant mashed potatoes, but there is an option that is very good from Woolies. Their classic potato mash from their refrigerated yeah, section. Yeah, it's not bad. Okay. Muriel says, <laughs> bloody hell, no. Sam Newman says, look, of course, yes, grappling with the potato peeler is an anachronism. Uh, did uh, did Deb uh, originate in Dallas? Took me a while to get that yeah, one. Yeah, it'll take you a while. It's a, it's a creep of that one. Jim Wilson, absolutely not. I'd sooner eat camp pie. Candace White says should be illegal. Steve Bastoni, that is horrendous. I prefer the frozen potato pellets. Splash of milk, four minutes in the microwave. Voila, it's a chef's kiss. I guess the potato pellets are those um, 
Potato gems. Yeah, little things, I, I assume. Uh, old Craigie says, not by choice. I'm sure it's what's presented as potato in pies. Ah. <laughs> I have no idea in which supermarket aisle to look for it. It's the same as coffee, mate, just yeah. different packaging, right? <laughs> the bald eagle. I love the stuff. Butter and hot milk and you wouldn't know the difference, Kevin. Yes, you would. Uh, and Steve finally says, I like it. Butter and pepper enhance oh. the flavour. But oh. Wayne writes, <laughs> Wayne says... And the bottom of the barrel <laughs> has been reached. I've made no secret of the fact that I have no cooking skills whatsoever when I moved out of home. Yep. I ate a lot of pre-packaged, processed crap, but I'm pretty sure even I didn't go near this sachet of sadness. <laughs> Won't see that. Imagine walking, <laughs> imagine walking down the supermarket aisle and go, sachet, sachet of sadness. sadness. Uh, that's where the Deb is. <laughs> Uh, even the most culinary challenged of us can boil a few spuds, smash them up and then add butter, cheese or whatever to uh. lift them to a level of deliciousness that makes you think that Heston better watch his back. <laughs> this left me in a quandary. I always feel bad aiming the Wayne Cannon of food righteousness at something I've never tried. So at 53 years of age, I popped my Deb Cherry. Oh, he took one for the team. There are things you remember in later years of your life with fondness and awe, the unconditional love of your grandparents, yeah. meeting that special someone for the very first time or watching mm. Brocky build across the top <laughs> of Mount Panorama in an A9X Tirana. <laughs> Making Deb pseudo-mashed potatoes is not one of them. <laughs> I followed the directions to the letter and I think I might need to see someone to help banish the demons that now dwell within me. <laughs> The pack, this packet of lies ended up looking like something that may have been squeezed from the face of a thousand teenagers. Oh. It was bloody horrible. Uh, and he goes on to say a Turkish prison would refuse to dish this up to the inmates as even they would deem this too inhuman for a person to have to attempt to choke down. I'd rather get kicked in the crutch with a football <laughs> boot than eat this insult The humble to the humble genius of the potato. Oh, Wayne. No, yes, no, no, it, no, no, no. If it no. was served in prison, there would be a riot, wouldn't there? 95% <laughs> no, 5% yes, and I think those people are being seen to as we speak. I think it does have its place. Some people mention, you know, as a thickening agent for your yeah. soups and stews, and it can be used. And I, I like the idea of a crumb coating. I'm very curious to try that. And Sarah Warmby's <laughs> summation that she uh, she loves her, Deb, and she's not afraid to say it. Hi. My name's Deb. And, uh, uh, <laughs> no, my name's, my name's we not did, Deb. We did have a Deb in there. Yes, we did. So uh, the Deb gets the big no, uh, uh, a resounding no from all concerned. Mm, thank you so uh, much. Our thanks to Peter Bruckner for being on our program. And, of course, that book is called A Fat, Fat Lot, Lot of, of Good. Good. So check that out. Uh, and until the next time we meet, uh, happy trails to you and to everyone. And to all of yours. Uh, aren't they ours? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.